everyone and welcome to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me as always is the female. Yeah, greeting citizens. <laughs> I'm not being rude. That is a reference to the movie we're about to talk about because they refer to the, the Agatha, the precog, as the female every single time. Well, almost every time. I mean, they mention her name's Agatha, so I guess they don't every time because I know what her name is, but it was most of the time. I don't mind being referred to as the female in the context of this film. Isn't isn't she like the brighter one? Yeah, she's like the, the special. She's the special one, the leader, the one who actually has the most power, and she's like the leader of the other two. The other two are just the minions for her precognition thing. <laughs> this is a science fiction movie podcast. We talk about sci-fi movies every episode, and this week. Uh, we are looking at Minority Report, Steven Spielberg's film. We'll start spoiler-free, of course. We'll give you warning before we get to spoilers. Why are we looking at this film right now? This was not on the schedule until very last minute. And the reason for that is because we're doing... It's part of Mail Fuzz TV. We're doing a tournament of a bunch of Spielberg movies. And both myself and Tara have to give our thoughts on a bunch of Spielberg movies. But obviously, there's a few of them that we hadn't seen in a long time. And one of them, at least for me, was Minority Report. And I was like, well, I mean, it's a sci-fi movie. So if we're going to have to watch i'm gonna have to rewatch it anyway we may as well do an episode on it so this is it here minority report steven spielberg's film from 2002 starring tom cruise and a bunch of other people that uh, we'll get into as we go through it uh so obviously we've both seen this before had you seen this like relatively recently or was this something as well for you that had been a long time i'd say it's been probably around 10 years yeah, it's all well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I saw this... I think I saw this for the first time, but weirdly enough, in school. I, I think, for whatever reason, I think it was like the new movie on, like, like probably still a VHS, knowing the teachers, <laughs> despite the fact that it was 2002. And I, <laughs> I think we watched it in, like, you know, that time, either right before the summer or right before Christmas, where work stops kind of happening for the last week or so, and... Like, it was just over a couple of periods of English or whatever. Oh, I'll just throw on Minority Report. That'll keep them quiet. And I think... So I, so I watched it in, like, maybe three chunks. Or maybe four. Given, actually, given how long the movie is, it was probably four, <laughs> having watched it. It's two and a half goddamn hours long. <laughs> Complete number one, Spielberg. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, but anyway, so, yeah. So the premise of this film is set, set in the future. It's 2054. And they have three sort of miracle children who are actually the the children of drug, drug addicts, but not like any drugs we have in real life. It's more or less future drug that doesn't exist. And But these three children of drug addicts end up with precognitive, precognitive abilities, which lets them see parts of the future. But the three of them working in conjuncture can basically predict murders that are going to happen. And Tom Cruise is like the head cop in this, this, this sort of experimental division that's only in Washington, D.C., not the rest of the country or anything like that. They're, 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 they're wanting to go national, but they're sort of getting to that point. But they're operating in Washington, and they go out and stop murders before they happen and put people, but essentially in cryosleep, the, you know, the, the culprits uh, who are going to commit the murders. Uh, so that's kind of the, 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 the context of the world, but the actual plot, of course, and I think anyone can see this coming, is that before very long, the end of Act 1, is that the next murder that's, you know, predicted tom cruise himself his character john which by the way how many times has tom cruise played a character called john i'm only bet it's at least half a dozen but he is the 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 perpetrator in this next murder 
So he's got this race against the clock. He has to immediately go on the run. Because in this world, when you're in one of these visions, that's you, you're guilty. And you're going to go on ice uh, because <laughs> of it. So that is the premise of the film. Like I say, we'll keep this spoiler free until we get to the, the spoilers. We'll give you a warning is what I really mean to say. <laughs> and we'll get into it. So Tara, how do you feel? What is your opinion on Minority Report? I I like it. It's still really good. I wish it would go a little bit more into like the philosophical side of it, but um, I feel like, is it okay to, you know, commit people for crimes that they haven't actually done? <laughs> yeah. So, and uh, it, it sort of goes into that in the beginning. I found it very exposition heavy, like really more so than uh, I'm used to in a Spielberg movie um, or more so than I remembered. But I still feel like I really like the the vision of the future. I think it's really awesome looking like it, it's very lived in. Um, I like that it's like a fugitive film. And like it's very Blade Runner also, which makes sense because of the story that it came from. Yeah, yeah Philip, I still Philip, think it's good. Yeah, Philip K. Dick, of course, uh, inspired Blade Runner also inspired this. It's based on a Philip K. Dick story. Which, you know, obviously Philip K. Dick stuff's popped up in movies and TV over the years in various we forms. We did uh, Total Recall also, which was based on something he wrote. I actually forgot that was a Philip K. Dick thing. Yeah, that's fair. That's totally fair. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be the bad guy here because I don't really like this movie. And it's it's kind of a complex series of reasons why I don't like it. I, I, I never really remember liking it that much to begin with. And I, I probably didn't know why. Like if you'd asked me back when I was like in my early teens, why, why didn't I like this? Because uh, I think I was 13 when this came out. I probably wouldn't have known. I probably just said, oh, it was okay, I guess. But I, something about it never really clicked with me. And I think watching it again now, uh, it parts of it do feel dated, and there's there's definitely some subjective things that I can get into. But I think the biggest thing for me is that I feel this Minority Report is conflicted in what it wants to be. Like every time, like I was almost getting into the Black Mirror esque type story that it was had at its core. Mm-hmm. It seemed to want to become just a summer blockbuster that didn't want to care about the details. And then when it got bored of that, it started being a fugitive story with a conspiracy. And when it got bored of that, I, did, I felt like all these like three or four different movies all kind of clashing and never quite feeling like they fit together. Because it's not like you can't mix two or three different things like that. You can, but mm-hmm. I never felt like it It gelled. And there was lots of little things that were bugging me that felt kind of cheesy. And it's almost like Spielberg wanted to do something that was a bit edgier, a bit grittier. He wanted this, this darker sci-fi future. But he still had like these weird little moments of comedy that felt like they belonged in like a, a film of a previous era. But at the same time, the sheen of the film and the, the bright, sort of desaturated look feels very of its time of the early 2000s. I felt this confliction yeah. in a lot of what it was doing. Uh, and I, didn't, that, I didn't love the, um, the, the ending of the movie so much. I mm. thought the ending felt very much like it was trying to be a uh i don't know almost like a another mission impossible movie <laughs> <laughs> it did actually a little bit and what's weird is this this came out like i want to say like just after the second mission impossible so that so it's not even like the mission impossible movies were as established at the time mm-hmm. it was still years yeah. before the third one never mind four five and six that we've had and we're soon to get seven and eight so yeah i just yeah, feel like movies of that time though like the movie were um 
I don't know, has like an ending that there's a twist ending, but it's more like that. I don't know. I don't want to say too much because we're not in spoilers, but it reminds me of a lot of movies like Shyamalan films of the time that were popular or like um, was a movie like the the game and stuff like that. I was trying to be at the end or even like it was holding on a little bit to the John Grisham era films. Yeah, the but game, I still I still like the sci-fi elements of the movie a lot. The game's another movie that I actually think is really kind of mediocre, despite the fact that I like David Fincher usually. Uh, I I was mm-hmm. never I, I could never get into the game. It it felt like one of those things like right from the start, like uh, like it's obvious where this is going. Like what like why are we pretending we do, we all don't know <laughs> like where this is going at the end? Because <laughs> I I don't know. I I haven't seen it since the theater, but. I, I can't really give an opinion on it. Cause it I remember a, I enjoyed it. Cause I, always, I, I remember not like understanding what was going on. Because I always remembered liking. Me. I always remembered liking the sound of it on paper, the game, and then when I saw it, I was just really disappointed because I, I didn't. I felt like it was taking itself too seriously for what it was. I, I, I just, and I kind of feel the same way here with this, where it's not, it's not that it's taking itself too seriously it's that it, it, it seems to catapult around from taking itself too seriously but there have been all these little things that feel really 90s and cheesy about it uh there's there's a couple of things i outright hate there's a uh peter stormore's character he's like this surgeon who does like the eye surgery mm-hmm. I'll, that's all i'll leave it at just now for spoiler free but i hate his character in this like there's like slapstick comedy levels or gross out comedy levels of like snot in the scene that he's in and I just, mm-hmm. I was sitting there watching it this time, just thinking, like, I did Spielberg think this was a good idea. This isn't, this isn't fun. Like, all the gross out stuff at that part of the movie just feels so totally out of place to me to, to compare to everything else. Uh, it was so weird. Uh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't, I don't love that scene, but I do love the scene that follows with, um, like, the, we get more, like, technology from the police and stuff that, and it, it's a it's a really suspenseful scene because of the consequences. But I understand what you mean because the tone changes to, like, yeah, the almost like a like a jackass sketch or something. It's so weird. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get to the fridge as well. But I, I hate the whole that that section just really bugs me. I, there's there's tons of stuff in the movie that I just you know what uh, it kind of reminds me of. It kind of reminds me of um, Twelve Monkeys or something. Like their characters from that film that ended up in this wandered into this one yeah i i don't like 12 monkeys either which again is another popular one probably more popular than this one although this movie definitely has its fans like i know this has has its following i the, the thing is though is i i just i i felt the entire time things just not working or clicking at a place there was constant these just constant things that were taking me out of the movie and just some of the action set piece stuff was fine on its own although I actually do kind of disagree with something you said about the, the look of the, the world, the sci-fi world that it's in. I actually kind of hate how this movie looks. Uh, the desaturated early 2000s style, I am not a fan of. And I oh, f- the, uh, the bleached yeah. um, film every, look or whatever, the oversaturation. Every scene in the movie looks like a flashback. This is what you do now yeah. to show a flashback, is this 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 visual style. And then mm-hmm. on top of that, you ha- like I was almost blinded at points because they, they sort of have this glow. Like w- w- later on, when he goes to his like, his like techno friend at the club, they- he has like a leather jacket on, and every bit of light hitting the leather jacket was like almost blinding me. It was like, oh my god, Jesus Christ, stop it! <laughs> what are you doing? There, there was well, the same thing was in um, War of the Worlds with Spielberg and Tom Cruise, where he did that oversaturation of the white, and it gave it kind of a 
uh, I don't know, an eerie look. But you're right, it looked like a war movie or like a flashback scene. It's worse here, I think, because it was the, I think here there's so many lights glowing for a start. But it was almost like yeah. he wanted a grittier future. Because I, in my head, I always was conflicted in my memory of this movie where... Was this like a really slick looking, sleek like Apple future or was it like a really gritty one? Because I remembered it being both and I didn't understand why I remembered it being both. And the reason is, is that it's gritty in places in the sense that you see these alleyways and streets and you see like the lived in parts. But the yeah. way that everything's lit is, is, is almost to like blind it and like just hide it, which thematically maybe there's something there that's interesting. But in my memory, I remember I... It, it, it trying to feel really slick. Well, I, I like the, the look of the future in this movie like i i can kind of you know agree with the what you're saying about the oversaturation of the white in the in the movie because it it is a little distracting but i like the design of the not too distant future because this takes place in like 2054 or something Mm -hmm. and yeah technology has advanced to look sleeker but in the areas where people still are middle class and lower class like yeah it gets worse for them they have technology but it's mixed in with this with how their lives have always been we haven't advanced that far into the future to where maybe we don't have as much of a class system or anything you know that's still there we see that in blade runner also yeah and you know how i feel about blade runner but i'd rather watch blade runner again because it's visually much more appealing to look at (laughs) i mean maybe that's a controversial opinion on this show i i, I don't know uh, is it longer than this one <laughs> no 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 i'm pretty sure every single it felt longer every single <laughs> cut of that movie is shorter than this one because i felt the length mm-hmm. in this i, I couldn't I, when, I, when i looked at the runtime at one point and I, I still had an hour left i was like how is there still an hour left i feel like we're like gonna act three here like what, what are you doing movie uh so i don't like how it looks like i really dislike the look of the movie and like Colin Farrell's character constantly chewing gum it feels like such a oh let's give him a trope let's give him like a thing people remember about him he's constantly chewing gum I don't know well he was a new actor right it really bugged me he's 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 doing the the hot shot young detective who wants to take Tom Cruise's job the whole time and he's chewing gum like I just like I don't know well he sort of does take Tom Cruise's job because he stars in a Philip K. Dick movie (laughs) He does a Total Recall um, that, oh, true. remake. Which I've never seen, and we will have to do it at some point. Oh. I've never seen it either. I avoided it. Well, get ready. And it looks even more 2000s-y than this one, I think. All right. Although I think that came after 2010, actually, so it's technically not that decade. But it looked at that decade. I remember it being really desaturated <laughs> from the trailer. <laughs> I vaguely recall. But... I have no idea what to expect, other than set the bar real low. And then the other thing in terms of the looks, I I felt this the CG is not aged well, and I think one of the things that I was thinking really I thought the CG oh yeah was awesome. oh no 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 see when they were out and it was the cars on that big like sort of magnetic track where they're sort of going over the edge and stuff, I, all I could think was like the entire city looked really bad, and all I could think was this is right at that brink where filmmakers really started to think we can do anything with CG, and Spielberg you know got the toy box and he was but like he still has so many examples in the film where he mixes like the practical with the with the special like he doesn't overdo it all the time well no, he, the, i he, mean he, that scene has to be like you know cause yeah he, he does city. i mean he does but that doesn't excuse the like I'm, I'm also i'm not saying this this should be practical i'm not saying this doesn't have to be cg 
but the look of it's so stylized and it looks like a music video or something like that. Like that's, that's what the kind of look that it has to me. Um, oh, I don't know. I didn't really get that vibe. It, I don't like the the way the the future cars look. I think they look bad. But yeah, they look kind of dumb. I mean, that have. I mean, lots of sci-fi movies where they have to do future but, cars. Uh, the other scene, of that. the other scene as well, the same thing is when he goes to like, the cryo chamber place, and I hate the character first of all. It's it's, it's there. Tim Blake Nelson. Yeah, I don't mind him as an actor necessarily, but I hate his character in this. Again, he, he feels like this caricature. From a previous era, it does not fit in this more serious like sci-fi a, like a movie. Terry Gilliam character, yeah. But they go into like where all the all the pods are, and the pods all rise up from the floor, right? And it's like this is so mm-hmm. over-designed to look cool, right? Quote unquote. That's what they're going for here. Something that looks cool, and it's not practical. And the entire time, I can just see them standing in like an entire like green screen room. Like you know, I I, I could feel like Tom Cruise's feet not really being on the floor of what he's standing on. It just he did not go into the, the shot the way it's supposed to feel um I, I just all of the big cg landscape shots or stuff like this where they're standing in a completely cg room uh all of it felt like really dated to me because it was like this is how we design cg like worlds in the early 2000s and we've not carried it on and we've not carried it on for a reason because it just it, it doesn't really quite work i don't know i just I, none of that stuff worked for me i i, I really hated the uh Oh, I hate a strong word, but I, I didn't like the, the you know the the action scene where he's jumping from car to car and the, you know the whatever. Because there's even a dumb joke at the end of that scene where he lands in like a weird yoga instructor room or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and Future like, yoga. And what is this little? this little like quirky joke i don't know this the movie like has all these little things like it wants to be like a fun marvel summer blockbuster not that those existed yet in the context that we know them but it's like it wants those beats but the rest of the movie just doesn't like work with that and then there's like one and we can't talk about it yet but there's one really dark scene about two-thirds through that feels so in the other direction and dark and like oh my god i can't believe there's characters in this movie saying lines like this this mm-hmm. is so, and I, then i think about the scene with the the gross out stuff with the snot and i'm like what was was Spielberg? Did he have like ADD while he was directing this? Like the tones are like so all over the place. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, but I don't think it's any worse than like um, like some of the other science fiction. Like I think maybe he was inspired by Terry Gilliam's future and his and his like style and his aesthetic, and was trying to go for something like that. And that's not always successful either. Like we've mm. we had that problem when we watched Twelve Monkeys. But I, I do think the the CGI looks pretty good for 2002 and what they try to do. Like the, I, I think a lot of the CGI holds up. Like the the scene with the little spider guys were going through the rooms because the room, like the actual building, was was built for this for this shot and it looks great. I like the um. Oh, there's another scene. Uh, with CGI that I thought was all right, but uh, I'll, I'll give you I another. Think... One, I'll give you another one that I hated. Uh, earlier on, this isn't really a spoiler, but there's a there's like a drug dealer who shows that he has mm-hmm. no eyes. I thought the effect in his eye sockets was really bad. Uh yeah, I didn't really enjoy that either. Um, it was going for like a gross thing, but it kind of it just came off as quirky and like, oh, he's got no eyes, but it doesn't. Sure. I've not even. It, it, it was a weird even... texture. I've not even seen most of these movies, but it reminded me of something that I would see in a trailer for Pirates of the Caribbean, like three or something like that. 
Mm. <laughs> I, you know, I almost expected the guy with the beard to be like, "Do you believe in science fiction stories? You're in one." You know, I was, I was expect, <laughs> I was expecting that from this guy with the beard and the, the eye sockets. Like, I don't know. Right. Don't get me wrong. I, like, the, I think the opening scene's really good too, and I think the CGI open or holds up pretty well with like the first fifteen minutes of the opening where it sets up everything. What the sure. Be about. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I I hate the movie. I I just don't like it that much. There's a, and it's a, it's a combination of a lot of things. It's the mishmash tones is the thing I like the least. I don't like the look of the film either. And then there's a lot of other little things that kind of add up to ultimately just make me not be that into it as I'm watching it. But yeah. uh, there is little moments I like. There's actually one little subtle moment that I or not, it's not subtle per se, but there's, there's a really good moment uh, that I'll bring up in spoilers. But something I want to fly by you because something really stuck out to me watching the first like twenty thirty minutes of this, okay. Bef- before it veered off into doing its plot the, 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 properly, is that the first twenty thirty minutes is almost beat for beat. Stay with me, Time Cop. Oh, <laughs> Time Cop starts with an example of how his weird futuristic police division works right where he stops a time yeah. crime right blah blah blah. he comes back and i shut you because this is the scene that made me think of it there's a scene time cop right and you can get us talking about this on patreon.com slash tv for one dollar <laughs> per month uh there's a scene in time cop where after coming back from his crime that day right where he solved the case he's got the bad guy he comes home he sits down and what does jean-claude van damme do in that movie he watches home videos of his dead wife and son and what does he do as he's watching these he recites his own dialogue from those home movies as he's watching it. That scene is literally in this beat hey, for beat. Hey, you know what? <laughs> if it ain't broke. Still from the best. <laughs> Still for the best. I think there's a lot of inspiration here. Spielberg, yeah. There's a lot of inspiration. I don't know if Time Cut was consciously one of them, but I'm... And don't worry, I'm sh- I'm sure that scene has been in other things before Time Cop, but it just I I, I was because I was sitting thinking like, what does this remind me of? Like I, I've I've seen a movie not that long ago that was this scene, this exact scene, and then it clicked what it was, and I'm like, it's Time Cop, it's Time Cop. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're gonna steal, steal from the best. Yes. <laughs> Yes, uh, and then the other problem I'd have with the movie is something that you hit on, which is uh, some of it is so exposition heavy, mm-hmm. like so exposition heavy, uh, a bit, a bit, a bit too much. And I, I also agree that I wish they really get into the. I, I guess that's the thing that hurts me the most is that it it, it it takes away from the science fiction to do the the summer action movie stuff and then the conspiracy stuff. And I don't actually mind those existing, but the problem is, is that I feel like it takes away and it doesn't spend the time on uh, actually exploring, like you were saying earlier, the, like, is it right that we do this? Even even if technically mm-hmm. they are going to murder someone, is this right? Can it, because I think one of the, the big problems I have at the start of the movie is that I'm immediately against this idea. They do nothing to convince me. Where I, I, At the start of the movie, I'm like, no, of course this is wrong. Like, you can't arrest someone for something they've not done. You give them uh you give yeah. them help you give them uh, you know uh mental health like it, you could almost do a really good new version of this that actually ties into uh things like mass shootings and talking about like preventing crimes like you could do some sort of like sci-fi take oh, on sure. that i mean you can apply this to like death penalty or i mean that's not something maybe you guys deal with with the in the uk <laughs> still a thing here so like just exploring a system that 
if it's possible to for an innocent person to be punished, then is the system should it be scrapped entirely? Cause, yeah, because the the first thought I had was that there's no rehabilitation here. You're you're just locking them away, and they're, they're yeah. just you know they're, they're they're frozen fish. That's all they are now. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're in some kind of a a dream world or something. I'm, I'm yeah. not really sure. What happens to them but yeah right. there's, there's like no rehabilitation and i'm like yeah i'm not i'm against this from the start nothing about this makes me think it's Plus, a good idea you're exploiting humans as a resource like they're they're you know they have abilities but they're still being exploited they're yeah not like really, they're <laughs> now i'm not saying i, I can write a movie script because i've never done it but i think one of the first things i would say you should put in this movie is well Where's the like, like some sort of like, uh, like human rights group that are campaigning because these precogs should have rights and shouldn't just be in like a chamber predicting crimes for the government? <laughs> like, I, yeah. don't know. I don't know. There's some weird. Is, is unexplored... everyone with disability like? Are they all destined to just have a life? You know, living in a toilet bowl. <laughs> also, how? Which actually flushes like one. It does actually. Yeah, it flushes like a toilet bowl. <laughs> also, how sustainable is this? Like. If this is the only three, like once they get old and die, then are we just back to normal? No more, more, no more crime you prevention. Have to make more children, like from drug drug addicts. Like, how do you how do you recreate this? Yeah, <laughs> there's there's so many things to ask, and I, I think and why they, do they use wood for the balls? Like <laughs> that was yeah, that was I didn't understand that. Either. <laughs> they have to make a ball each time. <laughs> they have to make a ball that uh, like engraves the names of the victim and the culprit. Uh, like yeah. okay why balls i don't know it's really funny but that's not is it it's going for that sleek future with all the tech but there was actually bits of the tech that's starting to look dated even you know like just because we're far enough ahead now that like their, their control keyboards and stuff i'm like okay obviously him swiping stuff with the glove feels futuristic still and that's that holds up in that sense but they're actually well, like, we have it now like you, the next like pixel phone has that uh, motion unlock facial recognition you know retinal sure. scans that, yeah. that's all stuff that's here now people yeah. like knowing your entire search history and using it to sell you new things <laughs> you know that uh... yeah the only, the only thing they don't do though is that in real life now they don't say your name in the ads that's the only thing that's yeah. not quite happened uh and also, although that said, they also use holograms a lot in this, which no one uses now. And I'm convinced that, I mean, maybe technology's not there to do it yet, but I'm also convinced that no one actually wants this because it looks like shit. <laughs> because they, they always look rough and ropey. I'm like, why does anyone want this? Because he has this thing when he's watching the whole movies where it's just like a video that's been projected, but the person in the video is projected like further out from it. And I'm like, What's, this isn't real 3D. This isn't like a you know person it's just like a a 2d cutout that's put in front of it yeah i mean it, it it's cool because it tells us oh we're in the future and it's technology that is filmable and it's not just a total virtual reality that he's in to watch home movies so you know, it's got a neat look to it but yeah i don't know about practicality if that's something that we would you know ever want but who knows I never thought that people would want digital photo frames and those sold pretty well for like a good four years. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I see why there's an appeal. I've never had one, but I see the appeal. You just like load up a, a library and it'll cycle through all your, all your fam family memories in one frame. No, I never, I never got the appeal. Okay. There's one other complaint I'm going to have to make. One scene in particular, uh, something that I think is supposed to be cool, but is really goofy. And that is the jetpacks. 
Can we talk about jetpacks? <laughs> <laughs> this is a big summer blockbuster. I have jetpacks. Maybe it's because I'm a fan of Jingle All The Way and I think of that jetpack scene in that. <laughs> and that's complete farce. <laughs> but there's something about like an actual jetpack on your back, the way it moves, it just never quite has... Like, Iron Man's kind of a jetpacky sort of, you know, concept, but, you know, it's just a bit more sleek and functional. It's in his hands and it's a bit more agile and they can move around. Whereas in this, it feels like they're actually kind of spinning and stuff out of control and they're whatever else. Uh, I don't know. The, the whole jetpack scene was uh, a little bit laughable to me, but... Uh, yeah, it's okay. It's not my favorite scene. It's the most, like, we gotta have a blockbuster chase and there there is some, like, physical comedy in it that is, mm-hmm. yeah, it's alright, but again, it it adds to the weird tone shifting. Yeah. Um, and Tom, I don't, I don't hate the scene. Like I don't, I'm not anti jetpack. And Tom Cruise has like a one liner at the end of it as well, which felt out of place given the rest of this. Because this is not, this is not Total Recall. This is not Arnold cracking one liners like every second scene. So it, it felt out of place when he's like, "Go to sleep" at the There's end no of the Richter. scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah. If if he'd like said, "Welcome to the party," or yeah, "I'll see you at the party," Rector at the end or something, maybe the party Richter. Maybe I was giving him a lot, a lot of cred. Uh, so, yeah, I, I see. I, I hear that I sound so down. This guy, I don't want to be too harsh because it's not like poorly made. Even though I think there's a lot of weird creative choices that are kind of clashing with each other, and there's little moments mm-hmm. that I think feel cheesy in the direction. You know, you kind you'll go over the top. Like earlier on during the first crime at the start, like when we're seeing like the the husband who's going to murder his wife, sort of some of that stuff play out. You see, like some of the shots of the husband starting to like look like he's gone a bit psycho, and like he's it, it just it feels like cheesy TV directing the way it's like oh he's going crazy, the camera's tilted and he's kind of twitching. Like all right, I get it. All right, he's he's going to go crazy. Uh, and Spielberg's a good director. We know he's a good director, but I I feel like I don't know. I I feel like he's having he he's having an identity crisis making this movie. It's it is a very quirky film. And it also is a very serious film, so mm-hmm. it's a it is a bit strange. But I I certainly don't not enjoy watching it. Like I I still like the film a lot. I like uh, Tom Cruise especially in the movie. I think he's really fun. Although he ha- one of his character traits is that he's a bit of a drug addict. Um, since which they never to him. yeah they never really and I don't really buy that he is yeah. They also never do anything with it, really. It's kind of a plot point for another character to like sort of get him in trouble. But other than that, it's never really, you know, that that much of a factor. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not something he gets over, or even wants to get over, or needs to get over. <laughs> it's just never or really. Is he, is he really addicted, or is it just something that he does occasionally? Like I, I don't know. Like if it's. If it's that much of a problem, I'm not sure. He doesn't really strike me as a as a drug addict. I, they were going for like the it. they were going for the sort of like he's lost someone, so he drinks a lot kind of idea. But instead of drinking booze, he's taking it's this. Future, yeah. yeah, he's taking this thing instead. That that was kind of what they were going for, and it just, I, I guess it. I don't know. I don't know. That was weird. Uh, yeah, anyway, I, I think we'll we'll dive into spoilers, but I, I don't want to say that it's not a bad movie per se. I, I don't particularly like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't think it clicks together for me, but I I don't want to say that it's not bad. It's it's it's, it's uh, you know it's 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 just 
I don't even want to call it mediocre per se, even though it feels mediocre to me when I'm watching it. I would say it's a bit above that. I'd say it's like, it's the most lukewarm I could possibly feel in something that I won't call bad. Does that make sense? Okay. Like, I can appreciate yeah, yeah. that other people will enjoy this, and I can appreciate that other people get something out of it. But the entire time, I just feel like a... It's kind of like how I feel during, like, a... Like, the first Lord of the Rings, for example, right? I think that's a well-made movie. It's doing exactly what it wants to be. It's just, it's doing all these things. But as I'm watching it, I just... I can't I can't get invested or care on anything that's happening. It's not, it's not a perfect comparison, but... Uh, I just feel... No, I would not call that a fair comparison. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Lord sure. of the Rings is a 10 out of 10. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Especially the first one. The first one's amazing. Anyway, <laughs> but... 3.6, um, not great, I not terrible. I don't, think it... <laughs> I don't think that it's... Um... Okay, Comrade. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I certainly don't think it's Spielberg's best film, and... But as far as the science fiction movie goes, like it's still a really cool world to look at. I like I like the concepts, the the sci-fi concepts a lot. Um, I I really do enjoy like the design of future technology, and it's not that far in the future, so I think that is a bit harder to do. And some of it I think has aged really well. Um, some of the design concepts, anyway. Um, maybe some of them now are. It is an eighteen-year-old movie, so. <laughs> You know, we were bound to have some things that uh, have already surpassed what they predicted here. <laughs> hey, uh, pe- people the same age as this movie can drink now. So, I mean, you know, time has moved on a bit. Yeah. Congratulations to all the graduating classes. Sorry about, <laughs> you know, what's happening. Uh, <laughs> Congratulations on the virtual graduations you're all having this month. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah. Uh, well, something else I wanted to anyway, I just really like the film still. I still like watching it. It is still Spielberg and Tom Cruise together. I think it's fun, but it's it's not either of their best. No, no, uh, no, I would definitely say I like War of the Worlds more than this. And I, I still had flaws with that movie, I still had things to you know nitpick at and say that I didn't like about it. Uh, I, I guess it's just a, a an interesting case that you know the, the 2000ness of you know, like. A lot of the movies of that, that decade, especially that you know, this kind of like sheen to them, even Spielberg didn't escape it. Like he's still kind of entrenched in the era, like all the other mainstream directors. Uh obviously there was stuff that didn't do that in the time period, but Spielberg was one of the ones who was on board, <laughs> as it were. Okay. So uh that said, I mean I'm going to rewatch Catch Me If You Can as well for the purpose of this. And I remember that being more fun and likable and better. So I'm hoping that lives up to my memory of it, because uh yeah, it's been we'll a long see. time for me as well. Yeah, so we'll see. Obviously, we're not doing that on this show because no. it's not remotely science fiction. Uh, but we will uh, we will look at stuff later. Uh, but yeah, so we'll do full spoilers then. And from this point on, I will take this time to thank our Patreon producers. Thank you to David Short, Alison M. Forday, Cindy Palacios, and Tyler Hess for being our patron producers. That means they are $20 or above patrons. Patreon.com slash TV. But of course, you can support us for less than that, can't you, Tara? That's right, Peter. If you like the channel and you want to support us and support what we do and get extra content, then check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash TV. And donating as low well as $1 per month will get you access to a library of films, not just science fiction, but horror as well. So if you want to check out our review of Time Cop, which we mentioned earlier, um, yeah, $1. Thank you. 
Oh yeah, and the five dollars will get you um, extra stuff as well. Like you'll get these episodes a day early, and uh, so you know Peter will read your comments first, <laughs> and and you get to vote on our monthly votes and help influence what we watch. And you can also <clears throat> uh, suggest films into the reactor. So and. Maybe one day we'll pick your movie. There it is. Just a visual cue yeah. that time to get the five dollar tier mentioned. So I mean, it's an improvement. Okay, there's no handbook that you give me here, right? <laughs> just, just repetition. That's all. Hmm. That's all. Uh, all right. So Phil spoilers then for for as we say Total Recall. You've got, you've got Total Recall in my mind now. Uh, for Minority it Report. Yes, totally. Hey, Total Recall is kind of the opposite of this, where I remembered being so so on it and then watched it again. I was like, oh man, I love this movie. <laughs> so it's great. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And, you know, I, I think it's worth mentioning. Actually. I keep talking about, you know, movies of this era. I mean, talked about it with War of the Worlds that it is possible that some people will just will like how these movies feel, and I just don't. You know, the, like it's, it's perfectly fair to say that movies from the 80s and 90s and 70s have dated. I just like how those feel more. So I like that, that dated era as it were mm-hmm. uh the 2000s though this look i, I just don't like so <laughs> yeah subjective that part is purely subjective i will attest yeah. to that i wonder what changed it is it war movies i i, I associate it with like um like black hawk down is like when war movies became super gritty and sandy and like gr- like uh mm-hmm. um, what's the word i'm looking for almost like a grayscale or watch or overexposed and you don't really know who anybody is, but it's still a really good movie to watch. Um, so maybe, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's nine 11. Maybe nine 11 did it. Yeah. <laughs> Although Black Hawk Down was before nine 11 or it was the same year as nine 11. So I don't know if Black Hawk Down was influenced by that, but. Well, I think maybe it came out at a time where we needed a movie like that. And then that changed things forever. I'll blame nine 11. Sure. Uh, I mean, I'm not. I'm, yeah, I'm fine with that. <laughs> so, no, no. I, I, and what changed later, I guess, is just that people get sick of movies having no color in them. That was <laughs> that was maybe what changed things. Yeah. And like I'm a real grayscale going on. And I'm not saying that you like. There's never a case for having a movie with no color. And obviously, there's literally black and white movies. But I mean, you know, it works for some things. I'm not saying everything. Nothing can look like this. But there was a, really a trend for a while. Uh, it was either this or it was a blue tint. That was the two, the two things mm-hmm. for a while, in the two thousands. All right, so to go through the the movie, then so the opening like ten minutes or so is the the the, the example of okay, this is how this works. Here's the crime. Here's the this this dude who's going to murder his wife because his wife's cheating on him and he's going to catch her, and he comes in and he's forgotten his glasses, but intentionally perhaps because he wants to catch her in the act. He's hiding behind the tree and everything as he's going in, and there's all these little like suspense things they want to do where tom cruise is kind of watching the footage you know from the which by the way all these precog visions who's editing all these exactly they're all different shots and things like, <laughs> like they're already like a movie scene god <laughs> i'm just it's one of those things that occurs to me I'm like okay but why, why does it look i mean i suppose like maybe some of my like dreams and stuff look like movie scenes because i've grown up watching movies but i don't get the impression that these precog kids like grew up watching movies like we did no i don't know it's a 
been unclear because there is a scene where like Tom Cruise is trying to manipulate the camera of whatever yeah. the memory is. So maybe there is more of a, like a 3D image that they can do, but uh, I'm not I'm not really sure what the rules are. I wonder. It, it does look very dreamlike though, and very choppy. So mm. I wonder mm. if it's a case of uh, it's not so much that it's 3D, but because there's three different people having the the premonition, there's three angles of everything at the same time. Mm. Maybe. No, it's, it's an idea. Uh, but we have him like figure out, or oh, there's a there's a, uh, a merry-go-round behind this guy who's watching the house because this kid's changing direction and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it almost made me sad that there's not like a, just a full movie of them solving something with this, like with uh, yeah, you know, just just try. Was there a TV show? There was a TV show uh, in like 2016, 2017. Starring... I have to imagine that this is the concept. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Megan Good is the lead in it. Uh, that's all I remember. Megan Good, she... Did you ever watch My Cousin Skeeter on Nickelodeon <laughs> as a kid? No. Uh, who else has she been? She was in, like, Soft 5, I want to say. <laughs> she was in... But I don't want to watch that movie. That's that's totally fair. She was in... Yeah, but she was in the Minority Report uh, TV show. So they, they show up, they find the house, they show up, and they do a whole sort of tense little sequence of getting in there and stopping them. But... They, like, they immediately like put him to sleep with this like headband thing that just knocks him out into La La Land, and it's very kind of like okay, that's it, your life's over because you almost. And even though we saw the the, the premeditation and we saw him with the scissors, he was clearly about to do this. I'm still going, yeah, but he didn't actually do it. Now, now you can give him help. Now you can take him to like a mental hospital and give him therapy and like get him through this, and you can make him a better person because he never actually went through with it. Like, yeah, you know, you have options here. Uh, and the movie, like, it kind of brings up uh, this up a little bit from time to time, but not, like, in any great, like, way it wants to look into it. it. It's much more about how there was corruption to begin with, as opposed to the actual moral, like, implications was, of this. This is how we can solve a problem that we have, because it seems like there was <clears throat> a lot of crime, like, homicides, just on the rise all the time, and so they just needed to have a quick fix in this is something that offered that without um and because it worked nobody really questioned it everyone was happy to have their peaceful life without fear of dying yeah also uh tom cruise's second in command is played by neil mcdonough who uh played damien dark on arrow which is <laughs> a legacy uh of which i don't really know i know him from something else i'm sure because i mean it's hard to mistake those like ice cold eyes he has. Oh yeah, he's got a very kind of villainous look. So he plays a lot of villains. He was in yeah. uh, the first Captain America. He played, he played but he, he looked very different mm-hmm. though because he had the big mustache. He, he was dum dum. He was what? Dum dum. He was one of the what, was the Helen Commandos. Is that what they call him? Oh okay 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 yeah. His name is dum dum. Yeah. Uh, but he's, he's been in other stuff uh, over the years. I'm sure he's been. Oh, because he popped up in something else at some point. Uh, apparently he was in the Sonic movie. Oh, he was. You're right. Yeah, he was. Again, playing like a military general or something like that, because it's like what he's typecast as. But I'm sure he was in other stuff back in like the early mm-hmm. 2000s and then whatnot. Uh, he, but anyway, I, I saw a chuckle because I didn't remember he was in this, and I was like, oh, it's uh, <laughs> it's him. Oh, he was in Star Trek: First Contact. Look at that. Yes, he was. <laughs> You got a Trek connection. Good for you. 
He was doc. He was doc worker number two in Dark Man. <laughs> I've seen that movie. <laughs> he's a glorified hey, extra. <laughs> don't don't go down. Yeah, he's Lieutenant Hawk. He's the one who's on the outside of the ship with uh, uh, with Worf when they go to the deflector dish. Oh, sure, yes, yeah, I remember this scene. Sure, they go to the deflector dish. Yes. I love how you got you got mad at me there because I, I went down another, another quiz. Don't, don't go, don't go, don't advance past Trek before I talk about what scene he was in. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now stop going down the IMDb rabbit hole. Ah, yes, yes, because I, I gave you a trouble for this once, yes. Um, but uh, so we got him, we got Max von Sydow uh, in there, of course. And we're in spoilers now, so I can talk about the fact that he's... Well, like, we didn't even mention him in the non-spoilers section, didn't. but he's a huge character. Well, that's the thing. He's, he is technically huge, but I... I don't think they do enough with them so that his, you know, he's the villain all along. Like, that felt you know, so flat for me. <laughs> you know what I was thinking? Um, is that Max von Sydow is, like, so tall. Oh, yes. And Tom Cruise is not. But there is a scene at the end where they have the same eyeline and the camera trickery that's happening there. So what you're saying is, is that Tom Cruise is on a box. No, I think that they shot it in, a, in an angle so that, because ah. they're moving around. But then they have the same eye line. So I think it's shot at an angle. It's constantly trying to keep them at the same eye line because the camera's moving while they're doing it, but very subtly. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things. It has to be the contract, right? Oh, sure. I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised if Tom Cruise insists that the set's build, built with the floor down like a foot in one, one side, and he always stays on that side, and the other actors always stay on the other side, just to make sure he's always looking at least the same height. It's one of those things that you don't really think about or notice much, but the, the example I bizarrely always remember is from The Mummy Returns, because it was pointed out in the commentary track, and once they pointed it out, I was like, yeah, this is ridiculous. How did I not notice this? There's a moment at the start, because Mummy Returns is set years later, and uh, Rick and Evie have a have a son now, right? They have like an eight year old son in the second movie, and when we're introduced to the son, the way we're introduced to him is that Rick's sort of like going around the the cave, Indiana Jones style. He's got this torch and he's looking around, and they do this sort of jump scare moment where he turns around and he gets scared because his son's right in his face, and he's at his height. There, he turns around and his face is right here, so they're at the same eye level. But then once the camera cuts around again, the son's only up to like his belly because he's eight years old. He's tiny. <laughs> compared to him and it's like yeah we just we had him stand in a box because the shot looked stupid unless he was at the same height i'm like well okay i didn't realize it but that is really stupid <laughs> he's he's half his height because he's a child <laughs> it's i mean it's one thing faking tom cruise's height because he's an adult so he oh he could be that height we just know he's not yeah but <laughs> i don't know it's funny uh but anyway uh so yeah said was the villain who you know it was said it all along what? Yes. Uh, which is not that he surprising. He doesn't always play a villain, but yeah. It's not really that surprising. Was that a reference to our Bloodshot review? <laughs> no. Because <laughs> <laughs> I had to edit a section out that started with so-and-so always no, plays a villain. No, it wasn't a reference. Okay. Just, <laughs> just checking. I'm just checking. Uh, so... So that's, that's the that's the setup, and obviously Tom Cruise. We get interest in his life that he takes this drug, that he watches home movies of his of his, you know. Well, I, I thought both his wife and kid were dead actually until they they revealed later that his wife's not dead. Uh, that was a surprise. And if it hell, technically even his son might be alive for a lot of the movie. Like, he's, yeah, he's missing. Yeah, uh, but I just assume death because I think that's just what you always assume in <laughs> these situations when you're watching a movie. Mm-hmm. 
but they uh, obviously they get this this other precondition it, although notably it's after the thing that gets this going which is that the the agatha because colin farrell's at this this fed who's in to investigate and like assess the whole operation and he's constantly chewing gum and he, i feel like he's the character we're supposed to kind of like get the debate through of like is this right or wrong the problem is is they want him to be an antagonist for the audience because he's going against tom cruise and tom cruise is supposed to be a hero so they never actually frame him like he's got a good point they always frame him like he's been the dickhead villain who's in here to like shake things up so even though he's the one bringing up the good points of like is it right that we do this is it right that we we arrest people because they've never committed the crime it always comes from this place of like we're not supposed to agree with him because he's against tom cruise yeah that's true but then you know the movie fairly quickly turns against Tom Cruise. So maybe we are on his side because we want him to say that that's, you know, there's something wrong with this system. Oh, but obviously that's a story that by the end, they're going to be like, oh yeah, this, this is, this doesn't work. We can't do this. Mm-hmm. Obviously that was always going to be the, the overall like arc, but uh, anyway, uh, so, but Agatha, uh, the pre-call grabs him and says, you know, can't you see it? And she shows like part of a vision because there's like screens in the ceiling apparently that have her visions playing. Mm-hmm. I never really thought about it in the scene, but now I'm saying that out loud. Is it like why is the screens up there? I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> I don't know. So that Willard or the guy who is taking care of their caretaker can see the footage as well. Yeah, he's a bit protective that caretaker did. He's because because when he gets her back later after she's been gone for a while, he's sort of like stroking mm-hmm. her head, going. Ah, oh, that's my good girl. If you're back with me now, good girl. And puts her down. Yeah, like, yeah. Dude, he's a little pervy. Yeah, a bit creepy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he gets this new vision uh, from the precogs, and they're analyzing it. And when he eventually sees the face of who it is, only he gets to see it for like, the first time. And he sees himself, and he's like, "No, this can't be. I don't know who this guy is. I'm not going to kill this guy." And he sort of blags his way around, and the caretaker dude's like, "Hey, I saw that." I'll give you a two-minute head start before I sound the alarm. And this is actually one of my favorite moments in the movie, actually, is here. There's a little bit that I really... I mean, I do think it's overshot the way Colin Farrell comes into the elevator when Tom Cruise is kind of sort of hastily walking out of the, the building. No, it is a great moment, though. I know what you're yeah. doing. Yeah, so it's a great thing where Colin Farrell is never scared, even though Tom Cruise pulls a gun on him, because Colin Farrell's like, hey, you know, I found drugs at your apartment, and I'm going to, you know, take your badge, and you're going to be out of a job, and yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's never scared, even when Tom Cruise pulls a gun and holds it at his neck. He's like, look, and he eventually says why he's not scared. He's like, look, I don't hear any red balls, so put the gun away. And as soon as he says that sentence, the alarm goes off, and he has this just, his face <laughs> like, just... shit, I'm going to die. Yeah, it just turns to fear. <laughs> and I thought that was really, really good. I, I love this idea yeah. of someone being cocky, almost like in, like, say... They never quite went down this this path in the movies, but they kind of hinted at it once or twice in Fail Destination, this idea that if you're not next on the list, you can't, you're actually safe, you can't die no matter what. I kind of like this idea of, like, some of these guys being cocky, like, well, there's no precogs, so, like, I'm safe. Get them all right. Yeah, but then just that, that flip, you know, just that switch being flipped like that. And it wasn't even for him, and we know that, but he doesn't. So the, the moment works quite well. I like that. Yeah. I like that, Bob. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That was a funny moment, and it was a really good performance, just facial performance from Colin Farrell. Yeah. yeah it's probably the best he is in the whole movie, to be honest, is that. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> I don't think he's that bad in the film. He's not bad. He's just, I, I don't blame him. I, this I, is when Hollywood was like, this is going to be your next leading man. So here's our introduction to him. And I, uh, never really quite worked out. No, no. He was always kind of, he's, he's a good supporting player. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's good in certain types of movie. Like he's good in like Seven Psychopaths and things like that, where he gets to be a bit more quirky. Mm-hmm. 
Whatever he's trying to be. It's a very ensemble film as well. That's true. Yeah. Okay, he's good in ensembles. All right, is that what you want to say? He's good in ensembles. <laughs> That's what you said in the beginning. <laughs> I agree. Yes, I'm very smart. I said the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not like the biggest fan of Phone Booth. Like, it, it's fine, but. It's okay. I mean, it's better than Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Same, same director. That's why I'm making that comparison. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Joshua Macker. It wasn't a completely just, I'll pick a random bad movie <laughs> and compare it. Okay. I was confused. Yeah. They don't also, seem like they're the same director. Yeah, that. I, also, Lost Boys. Also, Falling Down. Falling Down and Phone Booth feel like they're from the same director. I could see the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the parallels there. Uh, I don't know what Schumacher's up to now. Who knows? I think Batman and Robin kind of, you know, killed his career. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I only did Phone Booth after, but I feel like he was just on like a downward spiral after that, and that was it. Uh, well, coming back. Sorry, Joel. Maybe, maybe we ought to give him another chance. Yeah. I mean, hell, I... Uh... Maybe it was just a lot of studio interference that caused the whole Batman and Robin thing. Or at oh, least that... the, the Schumacher cut is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I want people to know that we're recording this on the very day they announced that the Snyder cut is really going to happen. So that's uh, <laughs> that's on the that's on the uh, the brain. Uh, I'm actually just oh he made that fight on the opera movie just after. Yeah. Okay. He has done something. Yeah. That's not what I was looking for though. I was looking for. I'm sure he did something that I really liked. But now I can't find it so maybe then yeah maybe maybe phone booth it was as good as it got <laughs> okay oh well i tried i tried joel i tried to stick up for you but it wasn't happening so we get a big action sequence here though so storm cruise runs away and because everywhere and they really emphasize this during the movie that there's these eye scanners everywhere so he's trying to run away and he's in the car and the car just automatically starts shutting down because it's you know they're self-driving and it's like oh no you're you're a fugitive now, so we're going to stop and let the police come and get you. Uh, so Tom Cruise like sort of climbs out and starts, you know, jumping around, and the roads kind of go vertical at one point. We've got these like futuristic mm-hmm. highways, and he's sort of jumping from. I really like the car design car. of the highways and stuff. I thought that was really cool at the time when it was released as well. Especially living, you know, where I do in Southern California, and there's not really a whole lot of traffic right now. But like the highway <laughs> system here is the worst. So having like a track that cars go down or every nobody is driving themselves, like I like that feature. Jordan actually reminded me of more than anything. They weren't really on tracks per se, but it kinda looked like it. So it reminded me of like scale electric like cars, you know, the, the you know the play sets you get for kids. Mm-hmm. Where the cars were uh, on the tracks. Okay. Uh, is that what you call them? What do you call them? I don't know. I I never did fun stuff when I was a kid. <laughs> I mean, I never had one of these either, but like, it's a thing. Uh, I mean, oh, like Hot Wheels, or kind of, yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. But yeah, these are a thing. Some people know what I'm talking about. I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. But he lands in the yoga place for a really dumb joke where he kind of because he lands kind of like folded up and he sort of looks over and they're all folded up too. So it's maybe this little ha ha ha. He he landed just like that. He's a pro. <laughs> But he actually makes his way to uh, the the woman who kind of like inadvertently designed the the whole system, because she was actually trying to heal the the precogs, but eventually it kind of became what it was uh, through Siddle's interference and whatnot. 
why she's like a geriatric poison ivy, I don't know. She's got like veins and stuff that are moving. Like, <laughs> yeah, I I don't really know what that's about. But that's so random. I mean, it's kind of cool. I, it seems like she's just a geneticist or something that's just playing around with, uh, like, plant DNA. But also, they're like animal plants. <laughs> so, have they been bred from some other things to create this, uh, or are they part machine? I don't know. Yeah, and also they're very snake-like. I'm curious, as as a vegan, does this cross them over into animal life? <laughs> <laughs> like uh they they seem very sentient yeah, yeah. so i was always one i was thinking i was probably i mean i would never eat a venus tra- fly trap anyway because it doesn't really look very good but oh yeah no <laughs> <laughs> yeah no because no, because i i didn't remember any of this part of the movie so when he climbed over the wall and like this these veins start coming after him i'm like what is this movie what what is this <laughs> what yeah, are we doing it's, now it's a very strange scene yeah, and she's just like Captain Exposition. She just like like there's so much information that comes from her, like how they find the precogs, the idea that which throws a wrench in the entire system that sometimes Agatha has an alternative vision to the other two, which is why that someone's deleted her because we kind of skipped over the scene where he goes to the thing and finds that so a lot of them the 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 suspects that have been arrested for these things have like one like one of the three visions has been deleted and it's always Agatha's because. Sometimes she gets what they call the minority report, which is an alternative version of the future, which if there's an alternative version, then this whole arresting people for something they might not do is kind of bullshit. Uh, yeah, yeah. Even if it was guaranteed, I'd still say it was kind of bullshit, but this is even more bullshit. This is like, no, <laughs> they actually might make the right choice. They, they might not do the thing. So, mm-hmm. uh, as he proves later himself. So we get the, uh, we, we get the title of the movie in this scene. And we get an old lady kissing Tom Cruise, and I would have done the exact same thing. So, <laughs> all right, keep keep it in the pants, all right. Uh, uh, secondly, Joe Joe's so funny is that Tom Cruise was actually kind of the age he's supposed to be in this movie. You know, he's in his like sort of mid to late thirties or whatever he is, maybe pushing mm-hmm. forty. Uh, and now, like, we're still all this time later, and he's still playing this exact age <laughs> after all this yeah. time. Well, he is ageless. Yes. Do you know what's going to happen though? One day he's just going to show up to an interview and he's just going to have like changed overnight to like being really grey looking because he's, he's he's kept this charade going for so long now that it's going to be instant when it happens. Well, maybe space will change him. <laughs> He'll become immortal. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. If anybody is going to get affected by some solar flare that makes him mutated into a superhero, it's going to be Tom Cruise when he's in space filming yeah. a movie. Yeah, but he's just going to like say that it was Scientology or whatever they watch. Oh, it was definitely yeah. Yeah, maybe that's why he's going into space. Maybe this whole plan has been to get into space to meet <laughs> Zenu. <sighs> Religion, I just don't. <laughs> right? Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, so. He basically he ha- the plan is is that he has to see the minority report and they're all deleted but they're always within the precog who had them so he has to get back into the precog facility to get it but all the eye scanners won't let him in obviously because like they'll just get him immediately so and there is a couple of like we, we sort of glossed over like after the the cars bit there's the jetpack bit which we kind of talked about earlier but like mm-hmm. there's a, a big extended set of like action running away kind of moments 
Um, I will give it credit though. There's this one moment where when he sort of takes a jetpack off one of them and he's climbing up a fire escape, he does kind of like sort of stop and say, "Hey, you got a good grip?" Before he, he moves on, he kind of like makes sure he's okay and he's not going to fall to his death. So he still likes these guys. Yeah, he's he's still not like a well, you know, a murderer, which kind of was what the movies whole thing's yeah. about uh, so that's that's uh that's good um, so this is where we get to the he goes to like a, a shady dude who because always because he's a cop right he, he knows where all the shady guys are so he goes to like this mm-hmm. this this surgeon the street surgeon who can t- replace his eyes which obviously isn't something we can do today so again science fiction kind of idea that we can just swap some eyes about but this is where like i have so much to say about this like like five minute, ten minute portion of the movie. I like from the bags of eyes that are sort of played for comedy, like gross out comedy that he's holding up to the camera, to the snot dripping from his nose as it caught that's Tom Cruise was in the room. Yeah, that's our introduction to him. Yeah. It's just that he's sneezing and it's just so much snot. And because everything's so oversaturated, like the snot itself is glowing. <laughs> yeah, and it's not even just the, the snot from his nose. Like later on when he leaves Tom Cruise on his own, because you know, after the operation He's like yeah. given a timer that says twelve hours because if you take it off before then you'll go blind. Yada yada yada. He like the timer when he puts it down the bedside cabinet. I don't know if you noticed this, but I did. The, yeah, there's an entire like corner of that cabinet covered, covered in snot. I'm like, <laughs> what? Well, who does that? Like, this is like that's the amount of snot is like gross out humor. Which actually the other thing I hate about the jetpack scene, the the projectile vomit, right? And I know. They've got these six sticks, which are, like, designed to make people, like, get sick so they, they can't, like, put up a fight right away, okay? That concept's not bad. But no matter how serious you try to treat it, projectile vomiting always feels like it's, I don't know, farcical comedy to me. It just mm-hmm. looks bad. You know, it, it looks like... Like, it's not out of place in something like Evil Dead 2, sure, but otherwise, like, it, it really should be reserved for really bad comedies. <laughs> Yeah, right. Anyway, so that's gunk all over the cabinet. I hated that. The gross out like stuff with like he's left him a sandwich and some milk in the fridge, but there's like an old sandwich and an old jug of milk also in the fridge that's green. <laughs> yeah, the the place is disgusting. It seems like a I don't know why I thought about it, but it's like it the movie has been pretty clean up until then and then we get to this set piece that's like something from a Resident Evil game like everything is <laughs> disgusting and gross and yellow toned like it has this whole vomit yellow filter mm-hmm. <laughs> over it um and yeah the, the stuff in the refrigerator is disgusting it's also pointless but they also set up that the guy who's doing the work on him had been arrested by tom cruise like after he'd already given him the anesthesia and it was yeah. falling asleep and <laughs> i thought that was kind of a funny note and like maybe this is a little bit revenge but also, it's a surprise visit, so he had to have that sandwich in there for at least three months. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess, like, yeah, that, that's the reason for it, is that he's intentionally done this to mess with them or something. But, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, I, I just, I, the whole thing felt totally weird, and you could totally cut it out of the movie and you would lose nothing. See, if you just went straight to, oh, the cops have, like, found this building, they're in the lobby, they're releasing those spiders that are going to go into every, every apartment and, like, scan their eyes... Uh, you could just cut to that that part and it'd be fine. You would lose nothing of value. Yeah. That's... I do like the spiders. I like the spider scene a lot. I like the yeah. way it's shot like overhead through the through the ceilings and you see the other people like getting scanned, like the little girls getting scanned. And I, I think that that scene holds up pretty well. 
No, I, no, I have no complaints really about about that. The, the the way it sort of goes overhead and like you go from apartment to apartment, uh, mm-hmm. like yeah, I have no complaints about that. And Tom Cruise tried to hide his heat signature by like dunking his, himself in like a a bathtub full of ice. Uh, is mm-hmm. you know this uh, is a fine enough plan. And then the idea that he has to sort of like because they're getting suspicious, he has to let it scan one eye. So I mean, it never really comes up again, which I think is weird, but. I think the implication there is then because he had to open one eye that that one eye is probably blind because he opened that like halfway through the the timer. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't. Yeah, that was the whole idea was that yeah. he can't he can't actually lift the bandages off at this point. He has to wait twelve hours for them to heal first. Otherwise, he'll go blind. Um, I don't think he went blind. I think maybe it was given enough time to where he can have a retinal scan. <laughs> I don't know. It seemed to be awfully painful for him though. It did. Yeah. Which, by the way, I mean, I hate eye stuff. So when he was like clamping his eyelids with the like, but yeah. that's that's the, that's the sort of thing though where that's gross out to me. But it doesn't feel like farcical gross out. It feels like no, that's gross out that fits this, the context of what you're doing. You're doing an eye surgery thing. So yeah, yeah, I, it makes sense. I, yeah. It has that that same like Clockwork Orange when they're holding yeah. the eyes open and <laughs> yeah, I. I, I, yeah, it's kind of what we said at the start, though, is like some of the characters just feel like they're out of a different movie. And this this doctor, mm-hmm. and this set, and this all this gross-out sandwich and mucus stuff, all of it feels like it just it came from, I don't know, like Men in Black or something like that. Like, it feels like a Men yeah, in Black scene. That was a very gooey movie. It was, yeah, a lot of good in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just, just, just an obscene amount of goo. Uh <laughs> I know you're referencing something else. <laughs> yeah, so if people want to know what I'm referencing, check out the bonus Screams After Midnight episode on Patreon uh, called Incubus. Uh, and the actual line from that movie is just an incredible amount of sperm. So <laughs> just, you, you know you want to know. You know you want to know. So go go check that out. Uh, so but so I, I guess I'm out of that. And the, the movie from there is that he comes to the, the precog place. He get the... Uh, the sign that the, the doctor did also gives him a, like a face thing where he injects it into his face and it melts his face so he's like an old man for like half an hour so that he, no one recognizes him as well on top of the eye scans not picking him up and he goes into the place uh, and it's one of those little movie convenient things where Colin Farrell's like studying the footage at this point and he actually like starts to figure out that that Agatha is going to be in the crime scene later, so he he starts to figure this out exactly as Tom Cruise is there to get her. So we have this kind of like, you know, and it's the I don't I'm not really complaining about this so much so that it just kind of it felt more convenient than it does with with, with other movies that do this kind of thing where all of a sudden okay these two things are happening at the same time. Uh, I guess it's because he's been studying the footage because I've seen him literally study this footage for the last like twenty four hours and he's only just kind of having this eureka moment now. Uh, it stuck out to yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, it, it it didn't really bother me. I don't know. I was into the chase, so sure. It, and the the you know you have to have some kind of a ticking clock. So, mm-hmm. uh, get Tom Cruise has to get Agatha, to and now he has someone else chasing him. Yeah, and he escapes by going down the toilet. Yep, by flushing <laughs> the big big toilet that they're all in. That all the precogs are in, taking Agatha with them. Uh, and they end up in a mall. But probably the most unbelievable thing from like a predicting the future thing to me is they're in this mall and it's so busy. I'm like, yeah, nah. M- malls are like, you telling me that the home yeah, shopping is not. Yeah, we don't have indoor malls anymore. They don't. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me they're not taking off. You know. They're... I do like the scene. I like the 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 whole like he 
he's being told what to do because she knows how to how mm. to escape in an unlikely way. You know, I do like the balloon scene where they're blocked just because she knows how to time everything just right. Yeah, I, and that's another thing that I almost wish they spent more time on uh, was the idea that because it's something that uh, the TV show Person of Interest did really well uh, from what I've seen of that so far, which is the idea that there's this entity that can predict what's about to happen. So you've got someone in an action scene who's been fed this information and ends up being able to do all these really fancy things and just being at the right place in the right time. And so there's a little bit of that teased here, but it doesn't necessarily like go full in on it. Uh, it tends to later for the rest of the movie, it tends to just be, oh, they're about to be here, and then she yells, "Run!" <laughs> like really loud. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, yeah I, I wish they did and more way with too that. Late, by the way. <laughs> yeah, also way too late. They're already there. They're, they're screwed at that point. Yeah. So he takes her to. Uh, this uh, like virtual reality like sensor club where people come mm-hmm. to like experience their wild dreams, and obviously a lot of them are sexual. But this one guy wants to kill his boss, so he wants to like experience that. Uh, yeah. yeah, fair play. Uh, that was fun. Yeah, sorry, it's one of those like sort of things they put in these movies. These sort of cyberpunk esque. It's like it's like the holodeck program, but it's like uh, the Deep Space Nine version of holodeck and this guy's very very much quirk the ferengi who runs it it's just like what do you want you want you want sex stuff you want uh <laughs> you want to kill your boss yeah I, could, I think i can make that work out for you and uh <laughs> yeah and then of course once the cop shows up he's like oh i've kill your boss sir that's that's immoral i will not work with you take your money <laughs> yeah why would that even be illegal anyway there's nothing wrong with that there is much weirder things he could be no, asking for but I like the idea that because precogs are here, like this is a, a a way for people who do have like murderous tensions to like just get get it out of their system. That's what they should do with with rehabilitation. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so they so no, they, they absolutely. So, so what, we've, what we've been kind of glossing over, I suppose, is that Tom Cruise keeps wanting to see more of his crime because he wants to prove that it's not going to be him. But yes. Agatha keeps wanting to show him this other crime from like just before the precog system started, which was the murder of this woman, and he can't understand why. But you know, they look at this. The guy records it, and it's actually Colin Farrell who kind of puts two and two together here. And I actually really love this idea. This idea that someone faked like or got away with murder because mm-hmm. this. And I, I, I mean, admittedly, I didn't like the setup of this concept at the start. It felt really clunky to me when someone just said, "Oh, that's just a precog déjà vu." They have like echoes. Like, and yeah, the echo. They just wave it off as if it's not. Like, yeah, okay, whatever. But I like the idea that knowing that and setting that up, that someone faked a murder by having someone try to commit the murder, get caught for it and then perform the murder the exact same way that it was going to happen in the first place so that the, the technicians would think, oh, that's just an echo. Just ignore it. Yeah. I actually yeah. like that idea. Uh, that's a, I think that's the, probably my, my favourite part of the whole... Because I don't really care about Sido being the villain or where it goes with him well, being the villain. Yeah, I don't I don't care about the, the way that they show it in the end of the movie where you get to see the scene and he's the one who's, like, putting the mask on yeah, and yeah. everyone's like... <gasps> Oh my god! Because you can you know who it is, but like, why would he? Why would he just be standing there when he knows the precogs like might be able to see his face? Yeah, he's want to like yeah. drive for miles first and then take it off because then you're far away from the crime scene, far away from the incident, you know. <laughs> or, or at least, yeah, um, be in a place where a precog can't know that you're doing it. I don't know. Like it, I'm I'm a little maybe I'm just confused on how the rules work for it. But well, I assume it's just a time. Why would he stand like just thirty feet away 
and then well, yeah, take off his jacket and then put on the outfit. Well, that's the issue is that he's he's that close and it's within the time frame of the murder because I I assume they don't see anything once it's an hour later. Like they don't see lots of build up to it. They see like the ten minutes before maybe and the ten minutes mm-hmm. that I don't know. Like they, they see like a very specific window. Sure. Okay. Yeah, they could have went into it more. I agree. Like I'm, I'm not, <laughs> but so. I, I so I like that part of the review. I like the, this idea of how he how he did this. I don't necessarily care about his conspiracy or why he did it or anything, but I do like how he did it. I think that's actually a really fun idea. And he kills Colin yes. Farrell with uh, Tom Cruise's gun there, and he's like, because and, and I do kind of like these, you know, there's no precogs right now, and then he shoots him, so I can do whatever yeah. I want. Like, you hear that? Plus, it's Max von Sydow. He has such a great voice. He's so oh, he amazing. Yeah, and he's a giant. Yeah, I've seen quite a few <laughs> a of his giant movies. Old man. This is the third Sido movie I've seen this year, actually. <laughs> I've been watching a bunch of them. Yeah. yeah. All, all for this show. Because we did uh, yeah. End of the World, Until the End of the World, and we did uh, Ultimate Warrior. Time. No, not Time Cop. Um, Ultimate Warrior. Mm-hmm. And we did uh, Judge Dredd. So it's the fourth. Well, that was last year, though. Oh, you're right. That was that was literally the first bonus movie we did for Patreon, like, last, like, May. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but you're but right. He's still, he's ace royalty. Yes, he's ace royalty. Absolutely. Him and Zap Rosedower, uh, who's never even been on the show, but <laughs> well, I'm Canadian, so yeah, he's always going to be royalty. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So, so we have this information in place. Uh, he takes he takes Agatha to his wife's place because at this point we've met her already because uh, uh, Colin Farrell went to speak to her, and we find out that you no, know, she did, she just left him because you know he lost his son. Um, and we get the flashback at one point when he's dreaming during the, the when he, after he's had the operation, where he he was in the, he was at the public pool. It's really busy as well, and he's just like sort of like playing with his son, sort of saying, "Oh, let's see who can hold her breath the longest." And he sort of dunks under, and he comes back up. You know, he sees the watch, the stopwatch comes down into the water, and he's like, "Oh, the idiot! My stupid son yeah. dropped the watch." And he comes back up, and then, oh, where's my son? And he's just gone. Uh, yeah. Which honestly. <laughs> That's, that scene was better than I, I thought it was going to be. See, when it started, I thought, oh, this is going to be really, like, cheesy or something. You know, I, I don't know. I was expecting something really kind of hackneyed. But I actually kind of... It's very effective. Like, you don't yeah. really understand, like, how someone can just disappear like that so quickly and nobody quickly. notices. But at the same time, it's also a really crowded place. Like, maybe it would be easy to just lose somebody so quickly like that. And, yeah. you know, nobody's really paying attention because everybody's just... There's just so many people there. No, I, I thought it's, it's strange how much of a public pool like the, the future <laughs> just has no like pr- people limit in public pools. I guess. Yeah. No, I I did like how he came up and he's just gone and he's asking people, "Have you seen my son? He's wearing red trunks." And everyone is just like, because so, so, no one was paying attention. No, no one. It's just yeah. this crowd of people. No one cares. It's very not not inhumane. That's not quite right, but it's very impersonal. Just everyone's sticking to themselves and not thinking about anyone else. But so you have you have that and. Uh, so they're at the ex-wives, and obviously they predict that he's going there, so they all show up. Well, we we skipped the scene where before Colin Farrell dies, that mm. that Tom Cruise actually meets his the person he's supposed to kill in a hotel. Oh, that was that before this. You're right. You're right. This was before this. Sorry, yeah. I, I didn't mean to gloss. That's obviously a really big scene. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a huge scene. It, it, it's a scene I really like too. It's actually a scene I really like uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, and one of them is kind of like what makes it clash with the rest of the movie so much but i like how dark it is 
Like, so that this guy comes in, and the, the big reveal is here because he because because he recognizes like the, the the third party in the in the the precog was this guy with sunglasses, which turns out to be a billboard that's like being put up across the window. And he's like, okay, he's in here, and he knows the guy's name, so he goes in and he goes up to the apartment, and he finds all these photos of kids, including his son, mm-hmm. and obviously he freaks out because he realizes this wasn't a mistake. If this guy murdered my son. I'm going to kill him. I have to kill him. Yeah, yeah. This, 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 this is accurate. So I like that. I like the guy coming in. But my favorite part of this is just how dark the guy is because when he starts asking him questions about what, what he did to him and stuff, he starts saying things like, oh, I was gentle. I was gentle. And he was happy. I bought him ice. Like he, every line that comes out of his mouth is goddamn creepy. And it does not yeah. belong in the same movie as the eating the gross sandwich and the snot all over the bedside cabinet and the what cheesy one-liners. Like it doesn't belong in the same movie as that. Like I, 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 like, I, I was getting this was so far in the other direction. It was so dark. Um, yeah. I I was thinking when the scene started, like, okay, why would this guy have all these pictures of his victims just spread oh, yeah. out on his bed like this? But of course, it it ends up being a setup, and it. Tom Cruise doesn't know this right away. Like he still chooses not to kill him, which I think is a really good character I, I think moment it, for him. Yeah, like I think he, that's important. I think it's really important that he yeah. makes that choice before he has any inkling that this is not true. Yeah, he still says like he's he he's watching the timer. Everything's playing out exactly like we had seen it, and he still says you have the right to remain silent. You have a right to a lawyer. Blah blah blah. Uh, honestly, like, oh, it's he's not going to do it. My favorite moment is probably that moment in the elevator, but I think from an emotional point of view, the moment he starts reading them his rights instead of killing them, I, it's mm-hmm. probably the only time in the film where I really actually felt, I, I guess, engaged slash inspired by the story, where I was like, yeah. you know what? I, like, and maybe this is your influence here, but I've been watching a lot of Star Trek The Next Generation recently, right? <laughs> and this moment kind of felt like the sort of like feeling that I feel sometimes in that show when Picard will say yeah. something about what they should do, and what's do right, right and what's thing. wrong. Yeah. yeah. And I felt a little little twinge of that here. And I'm like, I, I, I almost do want a remake of this, but with more of a focus, like cut out some of the stuff that doesn't isn't needed and, you know, stick yeah. to one tone and, and really sort of go into the should you or shouldn't you do this. Like, I, I almost... um. Like I almost take out the conspiracy part. It obviously it doesn't work here because it's so obvious. Why would he have all these all these photos out? But if he made it more just no, he really finds the person who murdered his child, and he still has to make mm-hmm. this choice and the dramatic final beat. Because you know I, I like this moment more than and anything. also it proves that the precogs were wrong. Of course, yeah. We get a twist that says actually no, they weren't wrong. It's just that we read it wrong. There was yeah, there was details sort of in between that kind of yeah flesh it out. But because there's nothing in the moment after this movie that I like. Uh, close to this. This is for me. This is kind of the, the dramatic high point of the movie. Is this moment where he chooses not to kill him, and then the rest of us fine. <laughs> yeah, the rest of us fine. Well, we do get the scene with with Cedow and Colin Far- Farrell when he's like figuring things out, and then like, oh, I don't hear, I don't hear footsteps. Yeah, no that's well acted. Door. Like that's a good scene too. That comes after. That, that that's um, Max von Sydow playing chess again with death. Just he's winning this time. <laughs> i've seen that movie yeah seven seal you know i i, I think that works well and i i do I, I think the part of the ending i really don't like is that they, they, so they, they capture tom cruise and tom cruise goes willingly because he doesn't want his wife to get you know implicated or anything like that and mm-hmm. he gets put on ice the wife goes to see von siddle and von siddle kind of lets slip a detail that she hadn't mentioned about you know this person drowning because she says that oh he was convinced of this murder and 
Siddle reveals an extra detail that he wasn't told, so she actually is suspicious, and he's kind of aware that, oh, she'll be suspicious now. But he's going to this big function to, like, promote his national, like, expansion of the, the program, and, like, mm-hmm. he, he goes off to do that. I think one of the most weird moments of the movie for me that just really rang false was when she takes the gun and, like, holds up the guy in the, the freezer place at gunpoint and says, I want to speak to my yeah. husband like a badass, and I'm like, this feels a bit, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if this... Yeah, and she gets in because she has the 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 bag with the eyeball in it. Like it seems a bit of a stretch. Like yeah, she's all of a sudden like a, a superhero. It's a, it's a bit. <laughs> it just all feels a bit hokey and easy. And then, you yeah. know, we have him kind of talking to. They just they don't really establish her as being a badass like throughout the movie. She just seems like regular person, and her going from that to like breaking into a facility, um, and busting her husband out of prison not, like, not, or her ex like that seems like a stretch that's not all. not to mention that you combine that with the character who's one of the most goofiest and out of place in the movie so you have these two elements together that feel like they don't belong so mm-hmm. this scene just as a whole just kind of feels like wait what this feels kind of almost like a betrayal to the tone that the movie is trying to go for most of the time but Tom Cruise speaks to Siddle over over his his headset uh, as he revealed, and he they have the footage shown to the the, the entire room of him killing this woman, uh, and of course he did this because this was uh, Agatha's mother who wanted to have her child back. She cleaned herself up and wanted her kid back, uh, and he of course that would that would ruin the program. So he he thought it was okay to kill her to preserve it, and that's what he tries to sort of say. And ultimately, he puts him in this this predicament where okay, you're either going to kill me and go away for forever because you've killed me, right? Because Tom Cruise is mm-hmm. waiting for him back at his house. Or you choose not to and you disprove the, the precogs, right? You disprove that the system works. So you're, he's caught this sort of catch-22. And he kind of just takes the coward's way out by killing himself instead. That's kind of like his, like, I'll just do this instead. <laughs> and that way I don't have to live with any consequences. I'll just go yeah yeah uh, he's an old man well you say that but max von Siddow didn't actually pass away until <laughs> what this year last year this year it was this year yeah i mean good on him he lived a long successful he life old, he did he looked old in the seventh deal <laughs> no he looked he looked more normal so but I, I did joke in the, in the ultimate warrior from 70s like two or whatever that was I, I did joke that he already looked old in that movie and that was like yeah he, he's looked the same age since the 70s definitely and that's like what almost 50 years that'll be it's like 48 years ago <laughs> he looked the same age for almost 50 years oh yeah. dear uh but yeah uh, patrick stewart i mean he looks older now but there was a long time where patrick stewart looked like picard like he just looked that age oh, for yeah. a long time uh mm-hmm. he looks a bit, he looks more like an old man now he's he's obviously starting to show his age but it, it was all and then lot... in, in first contact he's like ripped old man <laughs> weird <laughs> uh, it's like i'm strangely into this but i don't like it <laughs> what is it <laughs> patrick sure oh my oh my <laughs> all of a sudden raker's not number one anymore <laughs> oh, that will never be the case <laughs> <laughs> of course you get defensive at that comment of course <laughs> oh dear uh so yeah that's kind of the end of the movie uh it ends kind of on this note where they, they abolish the system uh Cruz is back with his wife and she's pregnant, so they're having a second chance at life. And it ends on the precogs who have been moved, have been allowed to grow their hair, and they're now living in like a, a farmhouse somewhere away from the world, so they don't have to like suffer their their 
their visions anymore. They can just and be all together. the prisoners that were put away were mm-hmm. set free, hopefully to rehabilitate. And they yes. said there's going to be some like some people are just on a watch list. I guess. Yeah, they said that the police monitored them for quite some time, which makes sense because they like they were likely going to commit murder, so they should be yeah. watched probably and like maybe go to therapy and things like that. But yeah, yeah. I like the detail also that. You know, because the precogs is, exist, that they have different color balls for, for for the types of crimes that are committed, or the types of murders, I should say. <laughs> the, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on a second, hold on a second. There's right. red balls for what, what for color? Passion. Hold on, what color is Agatha's balls? <laughs> okay, <laughs> I understand that I phrased it wrong. <laughs> maybe oh, maybe that's why they face it right it's just how you want to interpret it maybe that's why they have to they have to make all the things on the little wooden balls because like i don't know where i'm going with this it's something to do with agatha not having balls so they they, they make they give her balls <laughs> i don't know you started this god damn it I well i had a point like <laughs> hey, go I back like, to your point I, I like that they established that because precogs are around here now that there aren't any premeditated crimes really mm. or murders i should say i think they just only do murder the the precogs it's the only thing they could stop yeah i but, so actually there was one detail at the start that i kind of liked which was that the uh the the crimes of passion come in really close to deadline because they're not premeditated yeah. i like that little detail i thought that made sense sure to me. sure and the one that we get for for tom cruise's character is brown so we know that it is premeditated. So even though we see him at the 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 moment where he has to decide if he's going to take this man's life, it is a moment of passion. Like he didn't, you know, coordinate this. But because we know that it is uh someone else who planned the whole thing out, <laughs> that oh it was planned. Detail. Yeah. yeah. It was it was it wasn't planned by him, but it was premeditated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was a really fun detail that I noticed this watch. That That's something that sounds like a plot hole until you think about it a bit more and go, wait a minute, it was premeditated, yeah. just not by him. <laughs> no, it's not bad. Yeah. It's, that's, that's not a bad detail. Uh, so, no, nah, the movie does have good ideas in it, and there's there's definitely moments I like, but there's just a lot of things that don't click for me. And I, there's a lot of choices the, that the I don't like. I yeah. yeah, the tone's all over the place, and uh, the visual's more subjective, but I definitely don't like most of the visual stuff. Uh so, yeah, I, I guess we're at the point where we're going to going to rate the film, the movie film. Uh, what are you going to give it, Tara? Um, I do like this movie. I think the I, I agree that the tone is all over the place and a lot of the comedy like really like doesn't work. But the I don't think it's bad. Like I think the I I think the the world that they create is still pretty fun to watch, and it's not like like the other Philip K. Dick. <laughs> movie like Blade Runner where I'm just like yeah the world is cool to look at but I'm just so bored like the world is cool even if the tones clash and I'm never bored like I really do and I I still enjoyed watching it I liked even though I knew all the answers to the riddle I still enjoyed going through the process again and Mm. uh I I think it's I still think I think it's good I like the movie so I'm gonna give it a 7.5 because I I don't hate it. I, I don't have the 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 tonal um I don't know, schizophrenia of the film like doesn't really take me out of the movie all enough to not enjoy it still. Okay, that's fair. Uh, I obviously am going lower. I, I wish I could remember what I rated Blade Runner. 
<laughs> for to 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 rate this appropriately because I I do think I like Blade Runner a little bit more overall despite the fact that I have a lot of problems with that movie too. I think uh, I rated it a four point five. So oh, I, yeah, I didn't go that. You low. probably rated it like somewhere around a six. Yeah, that sounds about right. It feels cruel to go below a six for this. Because, like, you know, it's, it's it's very dependable in what it's doing in terms of, like, you know, Spielberg knows, knows how to shoot stuff, even though I think some of the shooting choices are a bit cheesy. Um, you know, like the, the shot where he's, like, hugging her and it's just the two faces that are opposite? I like that spot in that shot. It was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it was okay. It's okay. It's I nice just, looking shot. I've been melded distracted because I'm hearing Garish just constantly claw at the door. Hopefully it's not picking up on the mic, but it's just like constant, oh, constant <laughs> scratching. He's really going for it. Uh, so, now I will... I'll, yeah, I'll give it a 6. I'll give it a 6 out of 10. Uh, I, I, you know, I've focused on a lot of reasons why, why it's as low as a 6 rather than saying what's good about it to get it to a 6, but I think, I think that makes sense in this context because it's a Spielberg sci-fi movie and we expect that to be good. So mm-hmm. why is it not up to the standard of some of his earlier work? And I, I, I hope I've done my best to, to do that. So hopefully we can go. Um, I, I definitely, I, I'll say this, even though I'm hoping I like Catch Me If You Can from memory, and I, I seem to re- recall enjoying the terminal, okay, from, you know, kind of just later on this time period. I will say that I definitely noticed a trend here where Spielberg movies started to feel a bit bloated around this time period, because I think from this point on, they're all kind of lengthy. Mm. I don't know if there's any that are back to just being like two hours or sub two hours after this. I could be wrong, but I, I feel like most of them are long now, like over two hours. Yeah, the terminal is kind of an odd one, but um, it, it's not a. It, I mean, it's Tom Hanks like as a super likable guy for two hours, so it's not horrible to watch. It's just uh, it's just an odd, an odd little film, <laughs> <laughs> an odd little feel good story that takes a while. Yeah. I don't know. But that's not going to be on our list anyway. Of course, yes. That's not in the tournament because we really had picked 16 and it was the 16 most popular uh, according to IMDb. And, and it's just such a crime that Duel isn't on I know. There. I know. Lost World Jurassic Park and Lincoln get into the tournament, <laughs> but Duel does not. Duel's so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a crying shame. But hey, uh, so that is our discussion on Minority Report. Hopefully I've not upset people. I feel, I feel like this, this review is going to do well now because all the ones that like are popular that I just happen to not like seem to be the ones that do well. So everyone just thinks I'm a grumpy asshole who hates everything. Uh, mm-hmm. Go watch the Alien review. I just gush about it for like two hours. <laughs> you did a three-hour review on Serenity. <laughs> I know. I didn't, even, I didn't listen to it. I just uh, thought the runtime. I'm like, nope. <laughs> look, look, when you love something like I do, you go all in, okay? All in. Alright. You gotta dissect that bitch. Beat for beat. <laughs> beat for beat. You gotta talk about everything that works. Alright. Uh <laughs> but yes, uh, that has been Minority Report. Thank you very much for uh for joining us. Uh you can let us know what you think in the comments. Uh, I should tell you what's coming next time, so I will do that well, right now. Do we know when this is going out? We do, we do. Uh, I've I've thought okay. about this in advance. Uh, okay. uh, part part of me was hoping you were going to be 
be be silly and say what you think is next up but no that was last week tara <laughs> that was last week because we're recording this a little bit out of order because we wanted to get this and uh, view the viewing in so we could uh talk right. about it for tournament stuff uh but yes in next week's movie oh we don't know what next week's movie <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it just says uh new movie meaning that we're going to pick from a list of recent films so uh so oh it's a, look forward to something from netflix or amazon <laughs> it's a surprise so it's a lucky pick next week so look forward to that uh but that is the uh atomic slam experiment uh, you can of course like and subscribe liking is really important on youtube because it lets people know it lets youtube know more specifically uh, the algorithm that you recommend the content and it'll share us out to more people and it's really important for the growth of uh, our audience and the channel and our podcasts and all that stuff uh, so please do that that's obviously totally free to do and you can do, support us financially at patreon.com slash tv for as little as a dollar per month uh, plus a possible small amount of sales tax uh, depending on where you live <laughs> which is something patreon was telling me about recently uh, so uh, depending what tier you're on and depending where you live there may be a small amount of sales tax what I know. Madness. Madness. Uh, Only uh, thing that's certain is death and taxes, right? Yep, apparently so. Apparently so. Uh, and so that is uh, that is Patreon, so please do go and uh, check that out. Get us on the Twitters at mail underscore fuzz for channel updates. If you would like to check out more content from Mail Fuzz TV that's not the Atomic Cinema Experiment, Tara, what would you suggest that people go and find? Uh, well, we've mentioned the tournament. Um, I don't know how many rounds are out yet, but we're doing, or we're ranking, sort of ranking. It's a battle. It's a, it's a, it's a boxing match of Spielberg films. So <laughs> we're taking it round by round and uh, check out what we think of Spielberg movies. But I'm more, sure they're very difficult to edit. So they, they are. I've started editing the first one. Is this, this, this? it's work the most important thing though that i would really emphasize that you should emphasize when you're promoting that is that uh you guys decide who wins in the comments it's your voting in the comments that picks the winners this is our american idol we don't we don't pick the winners we we just make our cases you guys have american idol in the uk we had it first but it was called pop idol oh what a stupid name (laughs) (laughs) why is that a stupid name it's about pop saying american idol sounds better Sure, but it's anyway, like... yeah, it's up to the it's the crowd. The crowd decides. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yes, we had that first. Yes, uh, the, I'm proud of it because I hate that show. But whatever. Uh, <laughs> we had that. Then we had the X Factor. Then we had Britain's Got Talent. And then I think there was another well, one. We gave them all better names, so America's still number one. Oh yeah, because changing Britain's Got Talent to America's Got Talent was a stroke of genius. Yeah, I mean, was, I'd love to have been the boardroom meeting for that one. What should we call Britain's Got Talent when we bring it to the States? Oh, I don't know. It's a conundrum. What could we call it? I've got it! America's Got Talent. <laughs> That's where the winners go. <laughs> Alright, uh, why are we talking about these awful like competition shows? Like, Let's not do this, please. I don't know. Good night, everybody. <laughs> this has been the Atomic Cinema Experiment. Thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. And I had a vision. The next week we're doing a okay movie. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. Please don't be an ultimate future. Thank you once again, guys. We'll see you next time. We always love you. And computer at Salsa. Everybody runs. <laughs>